Good morning. It is Trinity Sunday, in case you didn't pick up on that from all the Trinity songs and the big bold headline at the top of your bulletin. It is a day in which we celebrate the mysterious nature of our triune God, the three in one, the one in three, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer, or my personal favorite coming to you from St. Augustine of Hippo, the lover, the beloved, and love itself. Now, a different preacher who isn't, well, me, might take this opportunity to delve into the complex relationship between the three persons of the Trinity, and perhaps even consider attempting to explain it. I'm going to spare us all from the many heresies I would likely commit if we went down that road. <laughs> no, luckily for us, the lectionary offers us a different way into the story this morning, through Nicodemus, the faithful unbeliever. I wonder if Nicodemus might be the perfect person to guide us in our attempts to remain faithful, even to things we don't fully understand, or maybe even fully believe. We first meet Nicodemus in this morning's gospel. He comes to Jesus by night, perhaps to avoid being seen with him, and it's clear that he has a lot of questions. There are a couple of things that I think are important to know about Nicodemus. One. He's a Pharisee, a member of a group characterized by strict attention to rules, regulations, and technicalities. So it's not really a surprise that he challenges Jesus on this whole being born from above thing. The second thing I think it's important to know about Nicodemus is that he only shows up in John's gospel, and he only shows up three times. More on that later. The first time he shows up is in this morning's reading which comes right after the memorable start to Jesus' public ministry, first when he turned water into wine at the wedding in Cana, then when he overturned the tables of the money changers in the temple, after which we hear that Jesus was in Jerusalem during the Passover festival, and many believed in his name because they saw the signs he was doing. So in just the first two short chapters of John's gospel, Jesus has already built up quite a reputation for himself. Nicodemus puts it best. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. To me, it kind of sounds like Nicodemus is warming up to ask Jesus a question, and he hasn't quite gotten it all out when Jesus cuts him off. Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Or perhaps more accurately translated, without being born anew. I can picture Nicodemus here, like, okay, Jesus, uh, that's not exactly what I was going to ask, but I do have some follow-up questions on this topic as well, since you brought it up. They continue in this back and forth, Nicodemus wanting to know what it all means and how it would even be possible for someone to be born a second time, and Jesus growing frustrated at his unbelief. The passage ends, at least to my mind, without resolution without Nicodemus' elusive aha moment, as the great Oprah Winfrey would call it. In fact, the next time that we meet Nicodemus is in chapter 7, four chapters later. The chief priests and Pharisees are debating whether or not they should have Jesus arrested because so many people are starting to believe that he's the Messiah. In this passage, Nicodemus doesn't go so far as to defend Jesus, but he challenges the Pharisees using their own law, which, and he quotes, does not judge people without first giving them a hearing to find out what they're doing. 
It seems as though Nicodemus has just enough of a lingering curiosity about the rabbi he once met in the night to keep him engaged, to keep him from writing off Jesus completely. He wants to know more. And my sense is that there is part of him that really wants to believe in Jesus, even if he can't bring himself to do it just yet. It would be so easy for Nicodemus to just ignore that feeling, that curiosity, that nagging desire to know more about Jesus. But he doesn't. He hangs in there with it. Now, we don't ever know, Jesus, or we don't ever know Nicodemus' intentions behind seeking Jesus out and digging deeper at his longing questions. I guess it is entirely possible that he's just one of those guys that for some inexplicable reason always has to play devil's advocate. But whatever his reasons, Nicodemus offers us a way of engaging a relationship with Jesus that's not predicated on absolute belief or understanding. We never see Nicodemus' moment of enlightenment. We never see him have a dramatic change of heart or lifestyle. What we see is a long, slow burn a nagging curiosity and a desire to know Jesus more fully. This sounds a little bit like my own faith story, and maybe it sounds like yours as well. In my life, I have seen and known Jesus just enough to keep me curious and hungry for more. Jesus showed up for me in the lowest season of my life and offered me a confusing yet intriguing invitation into a new life an outstretched hand to pull me out of what Nadia Boltzweber would call the grave I had dug for myself and live anew. And while that moment was transformative for me, I'd be lying if I said it led to instantaneous understanding and unshakable belief. Rather, it awakened in me a desire to know this Jesus and set me on a constant path of seeking him. For my part, I've found the best way for me to do that is to be part of a community that strives to embody the love of Jesus in the world. A community that welcomes questions and doubts as much as songs of praise. A community in which the embodied practices of worship, prayer, and service keep us grounded when the questions are too big, too theoretical, or too unanswerable. And while my disagreements, frustrations, and complaints about the institution of the church are too many to name here, I still believe deep down that it's here that I stand the best chance of learning how to love the world the way Jesus would have me love it. If I can become more like Jesus every day, then maybe one day I really will be able to unpack all the mysteries of the faith. The Trinity, the resurrection, exactly how did he feed 5,000 people with a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish? But maybe I won't. Maybe I'll be more like Nicodemus. The third and final time we encounter Nicodemus in John's Gospel is in chapter 19, after Jesus has been crucified. Nicodemus accompanies Joseph of Arimathea to Jesus' grave, and brings a hundred pounds of myrrh and aloe to anoint his broken body. Nicodemus, in all of his unbelief and after all of his unanswered questions, still shows up. Perhaps to quell that last bit of curiosity or perhaps to, in his own way, offer love and gratitude for Jesus. 
After all, 100 pounds of myrrh and aloe is quite extravagant. I don't know where exactly this journey of faith will lead me and what questions will be left unanswered in my own heart on the last day. But I know that I'll show up with whatever is the modern-day equivalent of 100 pounds of myrrh and aloe to say thank you to Jesus for offering me a life not of certainty, but of an unending curiosity and desire to know him and love him in the world around me. To say thank you for the signs and wonders I've seen in my own life that keep me seeking him out for myself. I think Nicodemus might just be the perfect person after all to guide us in our attempts to remain faithful even to things we don't fully understand. Nicodemus, the faithful unbeliever. In my mind, the patron saint of the life of faith, the struggle, the mystery, and the openness to uncertainty. The one who teaches us that faithfulness carries us through our unbelief and always leads us back to Jesus.